Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. It is, let's see, we're talking about mid to late February now. And uh, the first thing you're probably thinking is, hey, why so long? So I guess I'm going to probably have to sort of make it a standing apology every time I every time I start a podcast by apologizing for how long it's been since I put out anything. You know, there's an old saying about excuses. You know, they're like fill in the blank. Everybody's got one and most of them stink. So I'm not going to make a bunch of excuses. I can tell you there's a whole lot going on, a lot of exciting news, lots of cool things for the bee business, the apiary, personally. I'm going to do my best to kind of cover all of it today. I've got uh, updates on the expansion of the apiary. Uh, I do have a plug for someone, a business that I did some business with here recently. I wanted to kind of share some of that info. A little bit of a public service announcement on U.S. Postal Service that might be important to some of you. We're going to talk about hive placements and angles. Definitely want to cover some more about frames. I know we touched on it in the last episode, but there's a couple things I know that I missed, and I definitely want to make sure we talk about them. And also, I think we're getting to the point now where it's almost springtime. So we want to start thinking about some of the things we should keep in mind around inspecting the hives, time frames, and things like that. So we'll dump, jump into that. We'll also talk about pests and pest management, why it's so important. Just, you know, staying on top of things in general, right? So I've got a big list of things here. I am pretty sure with a fairly high degree of confidence here that we're not going to get through them all in this episode. What my plan is right now, since I have such an exhaustive, extensive kind of list, what I'd like to do is just keep rolling through. When I get to a good break point, we'll stop, and then we'll just pick up in the next episode and keep keep rolling through everything. Let's see here. Well, so I guess I'll, I'll jump right in and talk about probably the biggest piece of personal news right now. I have been doing, you know, hobbyist, recreational type of beekeeping for... I think I'm coming up on my ninth or 10th year here this season. I think this season puts me like at nine. You know, as I mentioned in some of the earlier episodes, right? I mean, nine years of maintaining two hives as an example, right? If you're a person who has two beehives and you say, I have nine years of experience. I've maintained two beehives for nine years. That's a vastly different experience than somebody who has one year working in a commercial apiary. This year, I'm actually, I'm really making a pretty big investment and I'm going to continue to make those investments in years moving forward here. And I'm getting a few hundred hives or colonies that I'm starting out with. Got a pollination contract, teaming up with a couple of other apiaries to do a big watermelon pollination in North Carolina, which we're pretty excited about that. And I think the biggest aspect of this is, you know, I've had a pretty good paying job for a very long time. I've been in been in IT for many years, selling and designing and architecting pretty large data center kind of solutions. And it's been good to me. It's paid the bills, roof over the head. You know, I can't complain. The company that I've been with for a long time, super great company, good culture. I love my team, the team of people that I've been working with for several years, just super, super great group of folks. But you know, my heart's not in it. This has been a pretty kind of weird year. I think everybody can pretty much attest to what a what a funky, you know, past 12, 14 months, whatever that it's been in dealing with, you know, to me, the, the, the actual virus itself, COVID-19, is kind of not even the issue. It's more around all of the stuff that's happened around it over the course of the last year that has really kind of 
kind of just worn me down. I'm just, I, there's, I'm not going to get political on this. And that's not the purpose of this podcast. I'm just going to say that I really recognize right now in myself that I don't function well in the direction of the new, the hashtag new normal, whatever the new normal is going to become. I recognize that I don't function well in that type of a, of a setup. So I am moving everything I do into an agricultural business. So this is going to be, a, like I said, a big investment in beekeeping, which I'm, I'm so excited about. I just, I can't, I can't even convey how pumped up I am about this. And, you know, I have a guy, I'm not going to mention his name or his APA right now because I just don't have his permission to do so. I'm sure within the next few episodes I'll get that and we can talk a little bit about some of the cool things he's doing. But this guy's been doing commercial beekeeping for several years, taking me under his wing and really helping me to get to the that, that transitional phase of here's all the things I've learned as a hobbyist beekeeper for the past nine or ten years. Now here's what the big boys do, right? And so I really am super thankful and blessed to have him kind of mentoring me as I kind of pass information and guidance and things back to everyone else. So with that, it kind of leads into another thing I wanted to, to mention is as a beekeeper, you have a lot of things that you need to do with wood. Everything in the hive. I mean, you got your you know your bottom boards, your hive bodies. You know, most of your frames are. I mean, yes, you you can have plastic frames, but for the most part, even if you're using you know maybe plastic wax like the the right cell wax or some of the other kinds that are out there, you still are using wooden frames, wooden tops, wooden inner covers. In in some cases, if you're not using a cloth inner cover, so you're using wood for a lot of things. Anybody who's been paying attention to the cost of uh, lumber nowadays can can you know verify or validate for you that you know lumber prices are going through the roof i mean with everything that's gone on in the past year people have done a ton of home improvements people have been stuck at home so they're doing projects new home construction is going up there's a lot of different things that are being done that's just putting a tremendous demand on lumber so as i was thinking about you know things i could do to generate income things that i could do to help support the apiary, I thought, well, maybe it would make sense if I got a small sawmill and I could, you know, I've got a couple trees on my property. I can, you know, take a couple trees here and there, mill, mill them down for lumber. Maybe I find people who are trying to get rid of, get rid of trees, get rid of things that they're not, they don't want anymore for whatever reason. I can mill that down and start, you know, basically collecting and drying that lumber and then use it to make, you know, make bee things. Well, then, like a lot of things, right, you start off with this small, tiny idea of something, and then it becomes this big, massive, overgrown, oversized solution. But long story short, I had reached out to a guy who's done tree work for me in the past, and I said, you know, hey, man, I'm thinking about getting this sawmill, and this is kind of why I feel like that the cost of lumber, you know, it'll pay for itself in a couple years. You know, what do you think? And he got pretty excited, and he was like, well, look, man, I, I cut trees down every day. I can put you on more free wood than you know what to do with. So I thought, well, that's kind of cool, right? So I went out, and I bought uh, a trailer. I already had a couple different types of trailers, but I bought one specifically with the larger sides, you know, 10, 10 12,000-pound capacity, 14,000 actually. And I thought, well, this is perfect, right? I'll get, you know, the guy can drop the logs into this trailer. I'll take him to the property stack them up, mill them down. So this 
this whole thing is starting to snowball and get bigger and bigger, which is pretty exciting because he's offered like, Hey, look, you know, when storms come in, you know, I know you got this piece of equipment, maybe you can use that to help out with moving some logs around. And so again, I know I'm, I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I think you know the pretty exciting, cool part about it is that apparently in addition to, <laughs> to beekeeping and pollination contracts and some other things I've got going on, I'm going to be doing some lumber work. So I'm, again, very excited about this too. I think it's pretty cool. It's neat. It's a bit of a new world. I've been operating chainsaws and, you know, bandsaws and different things for, for many years, but kind of branching out into some saw milling is a little different. So, you know, pretty cool. Make my own bee stuff and uh, we'll see how that goes. On that, I, I did want to mention, I, I kind of briefly mentioned about doing some of this work down at the property and uh, you know, if you're going back into the kind of the earlier podcast, I think I mentioned that I had a you know, small piece of property just across the border in, uh, in North Carolina. And I was really on the fence as to how much I wanted to develop this property because I've been trying to acquire the adjacent land that was owned by the county for a long time. I was finally able to win through this bidding process, the adjacent land. So now I've got a, a pretty good chunk of land to establish this kind of milling slash, you know, apiary operation. Now, my thought was, well, if I'm doing all this woodwork and I have a warehouse and I'm storing lumber and I'm building, you know, building bee supplies and bee woodware, and then I want to set up a nice, clean, you know, sanitary kind of area and basically enclosed where I'm doing, you know, honey extraction and other things, I started thinking about how I'm going to run out of space. Well, Again, this guy that I've linked up with who's kind of mentoring me on some of the things he's done has said, no, 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 man. When we're done with this pollination contract, we're going to take the bees down to Florida. He says he, he puts his hives, his colonies down in, in Florida on, on very inexpensively leased land. Uh, they, they overwinter better down there. And I guess they'll be doing, you know, pepper later on the season. And then at some point in time, they end up getting involved in some pollination work out in California through a, through a broker. So some other kind of cool things with that. So the long story short with that is instead of me needing to build capacity for hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of, of colonies at my property, you know, I may only be looking at a few dozen. I may only keep 40, 50, maybe 100 hives, you know, within the next year or so at that property just to have them around and be doing some queen rearing and some other things I want to do. But I think I may take his advice and send the bulk of them down to Florida to overwinter down there. I think that might be a pretty solid approach. So we'll definitely keep you updated on all of that. You know, that's pretty new, pretty you know, pretty recent info. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up to speed here. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All 
All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. Another thing I wanted to mention to you, kind of moving on to another business-related item, you may or may not have heard of a company called Flowhive. Flowhive, the the concept here, the idea, it's really pretty cool. It's not something that scales very well for a commercial beekeeper, but for like a recreational hobbyist beekeeper, it's, it's actually really, really cool. It's expensive. It's pretty pricey, but the thing with Flowhive is you basically, and I'm not an expert here, so if I get it wrong, take it with a grain of salt, but the concept is, you know, you essentially would have a hive body with your, your bees in it, and then you would be replacing your honey supers with these Flowhive honey supers. And then, you know, as the bees go in and, and they draw out the comb and they do their thing, they fill them up with honey. Instead of you removing the hive body, r- removing the frames, extracting all the honey, and then, you know, bottling and going through that whole process, you basically walk up with, you know, a handful of jars or little bear jars or whatever you want to use. You crack the the, no- the nozzle on the end of it or whatever the, you know, like I always have this vision in my mind, like an, like an iced tea canister, like a sun tea thing where you, you know, you open it up and your, your tea comes out. Same kind of concept. You walk up with a honey jar, pop it open, and you're literally flowing honey right into the jar. For those of you who have not had to extract honey or had the joy of doing honey extraction yet, this is life changing. It's completely, it's completely different, and it's amazing because it, you know extracting honey. If you're one person with one or two colonies, it's a lot of work. Uh, and the recommendation really is join a bee club, and then they will typically have you know one or multiple extractors, and they have extraction day. And everybody shows up, they all pitch in, you know, and they, and they decap, you know, spin and extract and bottle and do whatever they got to do. Everybody helps clean up and you go on about your way. That's kind of my recommendation. But if you want to have something on your own, Flowhive is actually really, really pretty cool. I reached out to Flowhive recently and I said, uh, th- this is the primary reason that I'm actually bringing this up in, in, at all is because... I was on YouTube, I was watching some videos, and I came across an advertisement for Flowhive. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Let me go ahead and watch the rest of this ad. And it's the actual company Flowhive, and they're showing their video, and they're showing how their product works, and, you know, all these cool things. The link inside of it was not their link. Like, I went down and I looked at the link. I'm like, why wouldn't it go to, like, flowhive.com? It was some other off-the-wall link. So I paused it copied the link, threw it in a different browser, and I went to it. And they were selling, they were, they were quote-unquote selling Flowhive for like 80 bucks. Whatever it was, it was dirt cheap. And I'm like, this is definitely not right. So I'm digging around, and I find something on the, the bottom about us somewhere buried in the site where it was like, you know, whatever, Atlantic Medical Company. It had some kind of like off-the-wall name for the company, and I realized what was going on here is somehow some fake entity is basically making it look like they've got this great deal on Flowhive and all that they're doing is stealing your information. 
So you could just tell. You just go through the site and look around. It was 100% grab at your info. So your name, address, phone number, credit card info, 100% scam. You could tell by how dirt cheap the pricing was. So I reached out to the folks at Flowhive. I let them know about it. Um, they responded. You know, we had a good good dialogue for a couple of days about the whole thing. But anyway, long story short, if you like Flowhive, it has its place. I think it's a good fit for some people. But just pay attention to those kind of things because these scammers out there on uh, YouTube have a pretty convincing kind of thing going. The next thing I wanted to jump into is talking about U.S. Postal Service and some of the delays they're having this year. But the more important thing as it relates to beekeeping and package bees. If you've never had package bees come in before, I've done it several times and it's always a fun new experience every time. When I would first do it years ago, I would get, you know, one or two packages at a time. My local postal carrier would just knock on the door and say, hey, man, got some things for you out in the truck. And then I had to go out and and bring them in. And then I've had times where they call and say, hey, your bees are here. Come get them. And then I've said, well, I paid you to deliver them. How about you guys deliver them? And and they said, well, we don't have anybody who's willing to deliver them. They're afraid they're going to get stung. And I'm like okay, well, am I getting a rebate at all on this? Because I paid for delivery. You know, I, I kind of gave them a little bit of a hard time, but normally I would go over and pick them up. So you're probably either going to get a carrier that will deliver them. You might, get, you, know, you might have to go pick them up. And there's a couple different ways that, that that might go down. Once the package bees get to the post office, the, you know, the worst is, is generally over. What you do have to watch out for is sometimes in the spring – you get those days where it's just, oh, my God, it's been beautiful for like two weeks in the 70s. And then you have that uh, that spell that kicks in where it's like 38 for five days. Now, for me, that tends to be like the week that I get my bees. It seems like whenever I did anything with package bees, the timing was always really bad on that. But ideally, you want to get them and get to work with them pretty quickly. I think the general rule that they tell you is you don't want to have more than an inch of dead bees at the bottom of the package. But it's a it's a pretty lengthy explanation around package bees. They're kind of a pain in the butt. But again, it's a necessary evil in some cases. So the real point that I wanted to get at with the package bees, though, is typically when you pay for shipping or when whoever you buy them from, they will have insurance baked into the deal, right? You're going to have shipping and insurance going to be included. You see the bees, you go to the postal office, you see the uh, the bees, you look at them, you're like, oh my God, most of them are dead. No, I'm going to refuse delivery. And then you have to go through the insurance process of getting things recovered and replaced. That's just kind of the way that it it's, it's always been. And I've honestly, I've never had to reject any before. I know it's happened. I know sometimes they've been shipped in and, you know, been exposed to too much heat, too much cool, different things have happened. I've been fortunate, never had an issue. But what I've been told this year, particularly from some of the apiaries I've spoken with down in Georgia, is they will still ship U.S. Postal Service if you want. But you're basically waiving that insurance because of the delays. Like we had a card come to our house that was postmarked December 6th and it got here like it was a Christmas card. It got here like January 15th, right? I don't know what's going on with the Postal Service. Uh, quite frankly, I don't even care. It's just, it's, it's a train wreck. But if you are planning to have package bees shipped in this year, 
you may want to get on the phone, have a discussion, have some dialogue with your your APR that's providing your package Vs well in advance to, to see what's going on. Because like I said, and things may have changed. You know, this is kind of a ever-evolving thing with the Postal Service. But make sure that if those package Vs are being shipped to you, make sure that the insurance is still intact and that you still are covered for that. Because if you're not, I wouldn't do it. I would get a refund, have them push to a different year. You know, whatever you can do, because that's just not good. Okay, so next topic here I wanted to jump into is hive placement. Now, I think we talked about, or I should say hive placement and, and hive stands. I think if I look, if we look back to the, one of the earlier discussions that we had, I kind of, kind of glossed over a little bit, touched on it very briefly, but when you're setting up your hives, Try not to overthink it when you're putting, you know, when you're figuring out where you want to place your colonies. I can tell you that a couple basic rules that I've used that have worked well for me, I'll kind of lay those out for you. But the things that you don't want to do are probably more important than the things that you are going to do. And what I mean by that is you don't want to set them flat on the ground, you want to get them up off the ground. You don't want to have them placed in a position where, for example, if, if they are not, if they're level or they're even angled backwards, so you have the entrance angled backwards, what happens is when it rains, the water and the moisture will hit that entrance and roll to the back of the hive, and it, it kind of sits there. So as the bees are doing their cleanup and maintenance and things are falling you know, from the frames down to the bottom of the hive or the bottom to the bottom board, it mixes in with that water and it creates this gooey microbial kind of funky environment. There are some bees I found that regardless of what's going on in there, they figure it out. They find a way to keep things clean, keep things nice. I cannot tell you how many colonies I've seen where for whatever reason they were not angled. I, I always slope mine forward. I basically make the back of the colony on my bottom board I'll raise that bottom board up about three quarters of an inch to an inch to make sure that it has a nice slant forward so that those things don't kind of coagulate in the back of the bottom board. Like I said, I've seen some pretty funky things that get in there and they kind of grow in there and it just, it gets, it's just icky. So you want to keep that moisture rolling out the front door. But for the stands themselves, I mean, you're limited by your imagination. I have put them on center blocks. I've taken like, you know, two, like two center blocks, put a bottom board in the center block and put my colony right on top of that. I've put two center blocks on the left, two center blocks on the right, put some four by fours across them and stacked them six or eight across on four by fours. I've used pallets. I've used pieces of wood that like literally are just laying around. If I have a piece of like a old piece of two by six or whatever, I'll put it down across a couple of blocks or, you know, wooden blocks, rocks, whatever. You want it to be secure. You don't want it to blow over. You know, you don't want it to be in a position where if you accidentally bump something, it's going to fall, right? But don't, you just don't get wrapped up in perfection. When I first started, I remember, you know, I had these stands and they were very kind of purpose built. You know, I, I built them myself you know, with two by fours, but they were, they were all the same size and I cut everything and measured and, you know, it was all nice and perfect. And that was cool. It was nice. You know, they were about 14, 16 inches off the ground. I could get underneath of it. I could, you know, use the weed eater because that's an important thing. You don't want to have, you basically don't want to give a good, easy opportunity for things that are going to be down in the grass at the ground level to be crawling up and getting into it. You know, I recommend, 
you know, at least maybe, you know, six, eight inches off the ground. Just give yourself enough room so you can get a weed eater under there and keep it nice and trim. There's other things too. Some people will put like a solution, a non-chemical kind of solution that's maybe like a, you know, vinegar, lemon juice or whatever kind of thing around the, the hives to kill off the vegetation without being toxic at all. You definitely don't want to put any kind of toxins anywhere near your, your colonies. But keeping that grass down helps to keep things from kind of getting in and gives a nice clear path for the bees to come in and out. That's really the important stuff, keeping it clear, keeping it open, and just making it more difficult in general for, like I said, for things to walk up, crawl up, whatever, off the ground and go directly into the hive. Okay, so I knew that this was going to happen, so I'm glad I mentioned it kind of early on. You know, we're about a half hour in almost here, and I think I have maybe made it through about half of my list of what I had for today. So I've still got a bunch of other stuff I want to talk about. What I'm going to go ahead and do is just take a little break and kind of get some things teed up here for kind of episode two, kind of the continuation of this one, the part B, if you will. And we'll, get, we'll keep things moving forward and rolling along. So I will sign off, and I will talk to you again here real shortly. Okay, see ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.